the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Seattle Pacific University sues Washington State over religious liberty and later things not to do in America. You're listening to The Common Good. On this Thursday evening, my name is Aubrey Sampson, alongside someone who has been my special guest co-host all week. That is Catherine McNeil, who you probably know by now. Catherine, glad to have you back with us today. I am so glad to be here. Day five in a row. This is uh, your last day with us, which is very, very sad, but we're grateful that you've been here with us all week. So thank you so much for that. I have had so much fun talking with you and all of Chicago. Um, Well, we have loved having you. And Catherine, as you know, sometimes we get into some controversial things here on The Common Good. Sometimes we talk about silly things like our top Mm -hmm. five list or just other other fun things to chat about. But other times we dive into, especially in Christendom, some of the more difficult topics. And um, I wanted to talk about this, Catherine, because although it takes place in Seattle, I think there are uh, many of us all over the country, including here in Chicago, that are kind of wondering what this might mean for us mm. and for our institutions. Essentially, uh, Seattle Pacific University is suing Washington State over their probe into the school's LGBT clue, uh, L- excuse me, LGBTQ <laughs> exclusion. So let me give you the rundown. This is from religionnews.com. Okay. Seattle Pacific University, which is a private school in the Seattle area, of course, associated with the Free Methodist Church, has been the site of daily protests for more than a month. Students have uh, gathered there to challenge a school policy that prohibits the hiring of LGBTQ people, calling it uh, homophobic and discriminatory. Now, the university says its rights are being violated by Washington State Attorney General Bob Ferguson, whose Mm -hmm. office launched an investigation into the school's hiring process Now, Seattle Pacific University is suing Ferguson, claiming his probe aims to influence the university in its application and understanding of church teaching against their saying that, um, you know, they're they're coming against their religious liberty. And so I I bring this story up, Catherine, because although it is happening in Seattle, I I have heard um, leaders of different institutions kind of around the the country Hmm. feel a sense of concern about this. Like what if this begins happening at Christian colleges around the world or around the country? And is this truly, is this truly a religious Liberty um, uh, problem? Is this something else? And so I guess I want to just leave this open ended for us to discuss Catherine, but how do we respond to this kind of thing? Oh, wow. Well, I think there's how we respond as American citizens and how we respond as Christians. Mm. Um, You know, as Christians, our response to anyone, whether we consider them to be an ally of ours or an enemy of ours, our response is the same, to love them, um, to pour ourselves out for them. Um, 
So I don't think we can kind of line up the battle lines and talk about a culture war. I think we have to be saying, okay, there are people who view this differently than I do. How can I serve them? Mm. Um, As American citizens, uh, a lot of these questions aren't really like, what is my preference or what are my views, but what does the constitution allow for a society in which people have very different views? Like the thing about this situation is that, and so many countless more like it is that Mm -hmm. people on both sides deeply, deeply, deeply are being motivated by what they view as virtue and what they view as goodness and rightness. Right. And so the question for American citizens is what does the constitution allow? Like how much can you take Mm -hmm. a stand? Um, And then when it starts impacting somebody else, when do you need to back off on your stand? Mm -hmm. So um, from both uh, (laughs) from the Christian standpoint, I think, you know, it's one way to look at it. And from a citizen standpoint, it's another, but um, I don't think in any either way, can we turn this into a group of people that we can hate or revile? Yeah. Yeah. This is, this is, Oh, go ahead, Catherine. I was just going to say, I'm glad that I'm not the judge that needs to make this call because from a legal standpoint, I think it is true that religious institutions have Mm -hmm. um, the right to practice their beliefs, even amongst those who don't share the beliefs. Right. But also um, in the United States, uh, citizens have the right to be able to feel uh, that they will not be discriminated against in hiring practices because yeah. of uh, various things about them. So it's, it's, I'm, a, it's I'm a tough one. To- I'm curious about this from you, because Catherine, you've been in HR for a long time. It's not everybody knows mm-hmm. about you, but um, the the First Amendment protects the ability of religious organizations to follow the teachings of their faith on marriage and sexual relationships outside marriage and to maintain mm-hmm. policies consistent with those beliefs. So if that's true, a Christian organization, even a Christian college, does have the right to make hiring decisions uh, based on the teachings in their faith related to marriage and mm-hmm. sexual relationships. Mm-hmm. But the problem, like you're saying, is especially right now, the Christian ethic of of marriage and sexuality, at least historically, is really counterintuitive to what the world thinks right now about sexuality and marriage. And both feel like they're right. And like you said, both feel like it's an issue of morality and justice. And so this is yeah. where it's very, very complicated because as Christians – we are called to love. We are called to serve. We are called to. Um, mm-hmm. We are called to to love those who even think differently than us. And I know even within Christianity, there's different viewpoints here. Yes. But, um, at the same time, that doesn't mean we have to like let go of all of our beliefs or, or become mushy or allow culture mm-hmm. to like dictate what we can and can't do. So going back to HR, like you were, you were at HR at a Christian organization. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, Where, where do you think the lines are uh, even legally here? Is it hard to say? I mean, I'm not trying to speak as an employee attorney here or anything like that. Nobody take any notes and please don't send an email. (laughs) This is my understanding based on doing human resources for 17 years. But, um, you know, an a Christian organization does have the right to create a certain, it does have to be thought through in advance. 
they can't just be like, I can do whatever I want because I'm a Christian organization. You have to think through in advance. It's called a BFOQ. Now I'm getting boring. I get that. Um, <laughs> it says, because we exist to share this belief, that's going to mean we can only hire XYZ. So the, the a really clear-cut thing would be, a, you know, a denomination could say we need to hire only people to be pastors who believe who are believing in our denominational beliefs so mm. it would be okay for say mm. a lutheran church to say i we're not we're going to decline this catholic that yeah. that yeah. applied that would be that would be pretty clear cut but could a christian could an organization an institution that views themselves as affiliated with a religious system who is hiring, say, a receptionist, uh, is, do they really have a good case for why they couldn't, that Lutheran uh, institution mm -hmm. couldn't have a Catholic receptionist? So you can see how pretty quickly. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. From a legal standpoint, and um, the institutions have to kind of map out what they believe is their core identity. Yeah. They can sort of change their mind as they go and do whatever they want. Yeah, that's a really, really, really layered, really, uh -huh. really interesting. Go ahead, Catherine. I didn't mean to I cut you off. I was just going to say, I think a key to this situation I, I, is at the very bottom of this article where it says, mm -hmm. if the school were to change its employment policies, the university would be automatically disaffiliated from the free Methodist church and no longer be a denominational institution. So from, again, my limited understanding of employment law, I think that yeah. is going to be their strongest case that whether or not any any American agrees with their religious beliefs, they are directly affiliated yeah. with a group that has stated these beliefs. Um, so, yeah, it's a really tough one. Yeah, I think I think these these kind of religious liberty conversations will continue to be more and more mainstream, uh, not just in places like the Pacific Northwest, but around the country. So it'll be very interesting to see how the law responds to this. Catherine, we've had kind of a funny hour. We've talked about religious <laughs> liberty. We've talked about traveling overseas. Was now that funny? Go... <laughs> I don't know if that was funny. It was entertaining. It was, okay. inter it was interesting, I should say. Okay. Um, and now we're going to talk about including single women in the life of the church, which is not funny. Wow. No. But, uh, I think it's a really, really important conversation for us to have. Now, you and I yes. are married women talking about this. Yes. But I found over at uh, CBE International, which is the Christians for Biblical Equality International, something uh, beautiful article written by Audrey Gertson. Hmm. And she's talking about how single women long to be included in the church. And so she gives churches just a um, really, really practical tips on how we can do better at including single women. And so, wow. um, Catherine, uh, why don't you start with the first one of her suggestions for us? Okay. Well, the first thing that she suggests is that churches hire more women. And mm. I think that's so important. She says, hiring more women into church leadership certainly helps. More particularly, hire single women or women who married later in life who understand what this feels like. Mm, that's good. Uh, it would be like a deer in the yard being approached by a deer who lives in the house. 
that's a metaphor that will make more sense if you've read the whole article. But um, when I think what she's getting at is that when a church only has men on staff, it's hard for women in general to feel that there's somebody that they can go to. Um, But if they're the only exception to men are uh, married women who are maybe running like a family ministry, Mm -hmm. then a woman, a single woman is really going to not just feel, but in actual fact, not have a supportive person that she can go to. Mm, yeah, that's that's really good. Hire more women, and hiring hi, if you're if you're hiring married women, having them being married later in life is a great idea. Mm-hmm. So hire more mm-hmm. single women. All right, two, normalize singleness. I think this is huge. I think churches in the city probably do better than churches in uh, the suburbs about this. But normalizing singleness in churches reduces the stigma of singleness. Do away with groups dedicated to only single people or only married people, unless perhaps it's a temporary workshop, instead favoring neighborhood groups. Even then, consider the fact that unmarried people might want to learn from a marriage workshop and married people might want to learn from unmarried Christians who foster meaningful relationships Mm -hmm. differently. Dismantling dichotomies creates fresh ground so that the church can see and celebrate the similarities of people in different seasons of life. I love that. Yeah, that's so good. Normalize signalness. Um, Uh, One way that she suggests we do that is to preach on singleness. Hmm. Uh, After all, Jesus and Paul were both single, not to mention some of the disciples. Uh, We don't know exactly, but very few have spouses mentioned. And there were even women disciples. Yeah. So considering how many women are celebrated without ever having their marital or maternal status (laughs) mentioned in the Bible, um, such as Miriam, for example, Mm -hmm. in the same vein, preaching on the way Jesus interacted with women a very standings in society teaches us that women are more than sexual objects. Hmm. Marriage and parenthood are beautiful aspects of life, but they are not qualifiers for living a full life within the family of God. And I think this is so important. I yeah. think that we have become a bit obsessed with um, the role of women in marriage and in parenting to the detriment of the actual gospel mm. and the actual call for us to live in community together outside of the walls of our home. Yeah. Oh, that's good, Catherine. I also feel like just to be uh, really practical here, going back to hiring single women on your church staff, I, I also would say it might be good and probably it is better to have those women be the ones to preach on singleness. Because I know Mm -hmm. the single women and men in our church have sometimes, like Kevin has maybe done a singleness series or whatever. And every once in a while, they sort of feel like it's a little token. Like you're going to do a series on relationships, you throw in singleness and you've got the married pastor with four kids doing it. It can come across as a little flippant. Now that's not always true. So I want to be careful about that. But I do think if you've got those single women on your church staff Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and they can be the ones preaching those series and, and doing it, you know, even consistently throughout the church calendar. I think that's a good way to do that as well. I think so too. Yeah. Um, And and you know, go ahead, Catherine. I was just going to say, you know, sometimes it doesn't even need to be a whole series devoted to it. The, The wonderful thing about having a diverse group of people on your team is that, those diverse perspectives are going to filter into any yeah, topic. So that's even true. if you're talking about gentleness or how to spend your money, uh, yeah. having single women in the conversation is going to make 
even mm. those, you know, seemingly unrelated topics mm. yeah. more relevant yeah. to the single people in your church. Yeah, that's good. All right. And then number four, this is her last recommendation, is share testimonies of unmarried folks. She says, intentionally make space for the whole church community to hear the stories of typically unheard voices, including those of unmarried women of all ages. Regular testimony times uh, testimony times highlighting all the different people in a community benefit everyone. They reduce stigma, loneliness, and isolation while allowing everyone to be seen, known, and accepted. Hmm. Having single women share their stories on a Sunday morning not only increases awareness of the challenges they face, but also shows the next generation the value of all women's voices. Being unmarried is not a problem to be solved, but the church's approach to singleness is. This is how she hmm. ends the article. Wow. There are only a few, these are only a few suggestions. They may not work in every community. So get creative from one unmarried woman to the church at large. Just go ahead and greet us on a Sunday morning. Stand by the exit to catch us as we leave and lean in with curiosity. Wow. So good. That's good. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, you know, friendship can go a long way too. You know, Mm -hmm. like as you're chatting in the foyer, why not invite that single person to have lunch with you and your family? I think, I think families tend to think that they can socialize with other families while singles are socializing with other Mm -hmm. singles. But again, we are a family, the family of Christ. And one of the ways that we care for each other is by being together. And We need each other. Families need single people to speak into their lives and single people need families. Last night I was, so we had a, um, or yeah, it was last night. We had a surprise party for um, our, our children's pastor, children and youth pastor, who's a single woman. And I was, I was struck sitting around by, like, as we were sitting around this party, it was an outdoor event that we had, um, single people of different ages and ethnicities and we had married people and kids Mm -hmm. running around our teenagers that were there playing with somebody else's little kids and i was like this is the church like this feels so good and right and um i i don't know i just had this sort of like out of body experience where i was thinking this is i like this this feels like what the church ought to be so i think that is a good word for all churches how we can do better at including single women who long to be included. Um, Catherine, I yes. don't know if you heard the big news. Okay, there was oh. big news over the weekend. And, oh, big uh, news. It was this. Choco Tacos <laughs> <laughs> were discontinued. Now, that is big news. Does this shock you? Are you shocked by this? What's your personal relationship with Choco Tacos? I am shocked that there is a product called Choco Tacos because (laughs) I am sure I've never had one. And I certainly have heard about them a million times in the past week, but never before then. So I'm scratching my head a little bit. I don't know exactly why people are so upset that this product was discontinued, but... Sure seems People like someone are upset has about uh, this. Yeah. yeah. What's funny Apparently, about this, Catherine, is my son, like, my my son was like, we were actually at Target shopping. Okay. And my son was like, Mom, did you hear the news? Choco Tacos were discontinued. And I was kind of like you, like, what? What's a Choco Taco? <laughs> now, now that I've looked it up, I understand it's sort of like a waffle cone in the shape uh-huh. of a taco. With, I think, ice cream and chocolate. So, I mean, it sounds amazing. I can see why it people does. are upset about this. Yeah, now but I kind of like, want one. Right. Now I was saying to my late. son, like, I don't know. 
I did we ever have you ever even had a choco taco? Because he seemed very upset about this. I'm like, I've never bought these in my life. <laughs> but um he apparently is like very upset over this. Okay, but here's the question, because you just said you've heard about this a lot this week. I have. This became a thing that didn't need to be a thing. Okay. Okay. I believe so, it. So I don't know if you know this, Catherine, but apparently there was all this sort of like dissension about this saying that the reason that they were discontinued was because of the woke mob and oh. people were getting like outraged about this. And ultimately, uh, Klondike Bar was just like, no, like we're just discontinuing them. It has nothing to do with like cultural appropriation concerns. That is fake news. Essentially, we just had to make the tough decision to like get rid of them. And so, you know, this is just like we needed to discontinue a project, a product that probably wasn't making as much money as it needed to. We've got other products that we need to write, but people wow. freaked out. And so I do, I feel like the lesson for us is like, be careful what you start to get outraged about, especially publicly. Yeah. Like, go slow, go slow and make sure you're not just getting angry about the, something yes. that isn't even real. If it sounds too bad to be true, it probably is. So there's there's so many layers here, Aubrey. Let me make sure I'm following you. Okay. There was a product called Choco Taco. Okay. Correct. That's okay. It sounds that, delicious, but we've never had it. That treat has been discontinued. Yes. It seems that no one ever ate Choco Tacos, but simultaneously <laughs> everyone is upset that they will never be able to eat a Choco Taco. Yes. And then some people said, and the reason why we can't have nice things like Choco Tacos mm -hmm. is because of the quote, woke mob. Yes. Is, that, am I, is this the full kind of landslide of important news? And okay. the accusation, the false accusation is that the quote, woke mob wanted Choco Tacos discontinued because of cultural appropriation. I see. That it was being disrespectful to yeah. the sort of political, uh, yeah. what is that word? The, the, well, the, you know what I'm trying to say. It was not meeting the standards. Mm -hmm. When in that fact, was none of that true. was true. Klondike just discontinued the Choco wow. Tacos. So we can that's lament that and move on. But let's be careful what we get outraged about. Yes. That's a story within a story within a story, it Aubrey. absolutely is, Catherine. Okay. okay. So, Catherine, that, that got me thinking mm -hmm. about discontinued products that we are okay. actually really sad about. That oh. They no longer exist, and we want them back in our lives. Okay. Okay. Um, and so I wonder, I, I actually found this list because I was trying to like, in my mind, remember some things that I lament. Like, okay. Oh, they're no longer, they no longer exist anymore. And I I'll tell you, this is not one of mine personally, but one of their examples is the fried apple pie at McDonald's. You uh -huh. used to be able to get like a little apple pie in like a cardboard pocket. Yeah. It was I kind of like a hot pocket, but it was like a cinnamon apple pie. And people are really lamenting the discontinuation of that. Okay. Um, another thing on this list, which I, I agree with, although I've seen this back in the store recently, pound puppies. <gasps> no. You remember pound puppies? I, I do. I remember pound puppies. Aubrey, yes. I grew up in the 80s and 90s. Right. right. I sewed my own pound puppy <gasps> in home at class. My grandparents sewed me a, my own pound oh. puppy. Oh, pound I puppies love pound were puppies. wonderful. They're so gone they now? Were, 
Well, I am outraged. They were launched in 1984, discontinued in 2002. But I am telling you, I have seen them back at Target recently. So I think they're making a comeback. Oh, uh, is there is there anything else that you think about or from this list that you wish was no longer discontinued and you could access again? Well, you know, a lot of the stuff on this list I had never heard of. But okay. speaking of the 80s and the 90s, one of the things that they mention is the Game Boy, <laughs> the oh, Nintendo yeah, Game Boy. Boy. So this was launched in 1989, of course, which is when we all owned one. And it was discontinued in 2003, which itself was 20 years ago. But (laughs) Aubrey, I have to tell you that for one of the first Christmases after I got married, which I actually got married in 2003. So shortly after it was discontinued, Mm. my husband bought me a used Nintendo Game Boy because I had always wanted one and I had never had one. Whoa, what a I good know. husband you have. That's I very, know. very thoughtful. I love that. Um, okay, something that I just thought of, and this is going to sound way more scandalous than it is. So okay. allow me to say the entire phrase. Okay? okay. Something that I used to buy very consistently was Victoria's Secret lotion. Okay, oh, lotion. Yes. I want to be very clear about that. I'm not being, I'm not trying <laughs> to be like scandalous in any way shape or form right now but they had one it was their vanilla flavor and flavor i call it scent and it (laughs) was the greatest smelling vanilla lotion that has ever existed in the planet it smelled so good and so pure and the scent lasted and i loved it and it was discontinued i want to say that the early 2000s as well, maybe mid 2000s. And I mean, I have searched like on eBay for it. Really? It is nowhere to be found. And other vanillas just do not do the trick. They don't do the trick. Oh, I'm so sorry. So that's a product I missed. Thank you for that. I'm sorry for for your loss. Thank you for grieving with me about that. I appreciate it. All right. Does anything else come to mind? A product that has been discontinued that you miss? Uh, uh, You know... I think I've just outgrown a lot of these products. Yeah, you know, I think yeah. a lot of them went out when it was time for them to go out. They needed to. Um, one of the things on the list that kind of made me chuckle was this fruit drink, Squeeze It. <laughs> oh, yeah, I forgot about it. Uh, I don't know if you remember it. those. They were made from this kind of waxy plastic and you could, uh-huh. I, somehow the lid would come off. I don't know. I didn't even remember about those until I saw this article. Yeah. And I was like, yeah. oh, those were those were fun. Yes. Back in the so, day. Those were fun back in the day, but also probably did need to be discontinued. Yeah. Okay. Let me ask you about one more product that's on this okay. list that I don't remember. Okay. okay. Uh, McDonald's onion nuggets. Girl. I, no. 100%. Yeah. I mean, no. I'm guessing they're like onion rings, but in a nugget. Oh, is that what that is? I'm guessing, but apparently these were around in the 70s and yeah. they were they were replaced by something you've probably heard of called chicken nuggets. You know, I have uh, I have heard yeah, of that. Yeah, and I would say chicken McNuggets were the right move for McDonald's, but onion nuggets, that was a thing apparently. Okay, yeah. you know, I'm an Enneagram 5, which means I have to understand everything. So mm-hmm. I have just Googled onion nuggets. Okay, and what'd you find out? <laughs> the onion nuggets were a cross between onion rings and McNuggets. Okay. McDonald's attempted selling onion nuggets to please vegetarians in 1975 oh. before selling the chicken McNuggets. Okay. The onion nuggets were unsuccessful 
since the customers could not be swayed by the more traditional onion ring variety. Also, McDonald's started selling the Chicken McNuggets weeks later. Ah. Uh, The onion nuggets were introduced in 1975 and discontinued a shocking nine years later in 1984. I'm surprised they hung on that long. Me too. I'm surprised they hung on that long. Yeah. I mean, I think they were discontinued probably because they're nasty. Like, that sounds I, that disgusting. Must be it. I like Although, an onion ring, but an onion nugget? No, thank you. I mean, to be fair, the McNuggets haven't been discontinued and they're pretty gross, too. <laughs> yeah, that's a good point. McDonald's sorry, in general. Not sorry. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We would love to connect with you on social media. We are at Common Good Talk on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. Speaking of social media, Kate Boyd, who's an author and a Bible teacher, She's uh, the co-host of a podcast called Happy and Holy. She posted something, Catherine. You said you saw this. This yes. came across my Twitter feed, and I thought it was like a, a kind of a mic drop moment. It was. Um, you, here, you want to read it to us? Okay. So this is Kate Boyd on Twitter. She says, everyone thinks they're the table flipper and not the one whose table is being flipped. Mm. everyone thinks they're the righteous remnant in a sea of unfaithfulness and some of us are wrong the least we can do is proceed with humility Mm. that's a mic drop moment for sure what did how did that hit you aubrey yeah i i think for me a, a couple things um came to mind immediately i hear this kind of table flipping story in Jesus's life used not a lot, but quite a bit by certain groups. And I, I'll be honest, I Mark Driscoll is coming to mind for me hmm. where he like th- he would say like, this is the version of Jesus he liked the most, the table flipping version of Jesus who was in there being like in his words, like angry and masculine. And but what was assumed by Driscoll is that like he and Jesus were aligned as the table flippers. And I don't think that's unique to Driscoll. Like I, I think that is where all of us, when we preach on about this story or when we aren't even necessarily even thinking about table flipping, but thinking about this metaphorically, like it is so she has her finger on the pulse of society that we think we're right. And we think our issue is the issue that God cares about and is angry about and nobody else is right. Everybody oh. else is wrong. And I think she's right to say the least we can do is proceed with humility. Like, like mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. maybe we're not right. Even if we are, the least we can do is proceed with humility. Yeah. I, yeah. I, yeah. This, she just, I don't know. This was, this was mic drop moment, as we've said. What did you think about it? Well, I think uh, the first thing that came to my mind is just, wow, that, is we are so in a cultural moment of not only do we want to be flipping tables, we want someone to have captured it on YouTube, and then we want to be interviewed on a late night talk show about <laughs> why we flip those tables. Like that's so true. That seems to be how we're going to prove to the world that we are the best and the most right is because mm. we like owned somebody really publicly. Yeah, and you know Jesus had that one time when he flipped tables. Right, right, but. All the other times, um, 
he was confronting people, but he was confronting yeah. people inside of a story or he mm. was kneeling beside the bed of someone who was sick. And there is just so much gentleness and humility that comes through in Jesus, even when he's confronting yeah. um, that uh, let's not make a whole Christian practice over this one time when Jesus flipped tables. Yeah. So, yeah, I think that's so good, Catherine. Some of the responses, um, you know, people are are saying this is a response by a guy named Timothy Price. Religion, church and theology have taught us, quote, it's about being right. Yet the more we learn, the more we realize that we know little. So why be dogmatic mm-hmm. about what you think you know? This is a good question for the church crowd. Humility must follow. I once heard... Um, Kathy Keller, Tim Keller's wife, say everything we hold, we hold provisionally until we learn otherwise. And I, yes. al- I always think about that. I think that's such a good posture of humility. Somebody else said, God, please help me to set aside everything I think I know about you and me, this world, this day, mm-hmm. and my place in them for an open mind and a new experience with you and me, this world, this day, and my place in them. She says she starts every day like that. Wow. Wow. Yeah. What what do you think it is in us, Catherine? I mean, I know the the like kind of easy answer is sin, but um mm. that we think we are the table flippers. You know, I was just thinking, I wish we had like a religious anthropologist coming on mm. <laughs> in the next yeah. segment, because I would love to ask someone who's actually studied these things. Is this yeah. something that's true about us in our kind of hot take on cable news and social media mm. culture or is this kind of a ongoing human struggle like do yeah. we want to always be table flippers or is this yeah. something is this kind of the besetting sin of our age mm. um i'm really curious about that but i do think that at minimum we have falsely reduced um the christian message and the gospel into a true false mm. quiz um wow. where Rather than being an entire life practice, um, an entire discipleship that we that is going to impact every aspect of how we live our lives, which is what it is, yeah. um, it becomes: um, Are we correct in how we answer this handful of questions? Mm. And if someone else is answering them differently, we mm. feel like we are maybe in a war with those people, like a yeah. culture war, and that we need to own them. And yeah. uh, that that's just, you know, there are some conversations that maybe need to include an element of that, but Christianity is not about being right or wrong. Yeah. It's about knowing the truth, but the truth is not so much a statement as it is a person and a person mm-hmm. who is and the embodiment of love and yeah. compassion and justice. Yeah. Right. So there is a fighting component because justice is something we need to fight for. But yeah. we're called to lay down our own lives. We're not yeah. called to lay down other people's lives. Oh, whoa. Catherine, you just had your own mic job moment right there. <laughs> Ew, that's good. That's Here, really let me good. Quick put that up on Twitter. <laughs> you write that down really quick. Uh, I do think this sort of this this call to cultivate humility is a good word for all of us. And I think, you know, lest we lest we do what she's saying we do and think about like that person in my life who needs to cultivate humility, maybe the question for all of us is like, how can we invite Jesus to take up more space in our lives so that we um 
both emulate his humility and are empowered by his humility mm -hmm. to to treat others like you're talking about with with love and with kindness and where in our life can we cultivate the fruits of the spirit so that we are um whether we're on one side of the table or the other side, we're responding with the same humility that Jesus showed us mm -hmm. unto death, right? I mean, let's yeah. be honest, like his embodiment of humility was the ultimate one. And so um, for us to kind of take seriously that Philippians 2 call to humble ourselves for other people so that Jesus's name is lifted up and that others experience his love. I think that's the higher calling than, than being right. Right. That's the higher calling than being on the right side of the table flipping. Like let Jesus do the table flipping. He sees mm. it all. We don't see it all for us. Let's follow Kate Boyd's call here to, to proceed with humility in our interactions. I, wow. I just love that. Love that word. And it is time in the week for our social media water cooler question. And what Brian and I typically do is, you know, come up with a silly question or a serious question and throw it up on social media uh, where we'd love for you to follow us at Common Good Talk. We also put it on our personal pages as well. And um, just ask you a question for your responses and then we share them with you because we think they're pretty entertaining. And this is kind of a nod to the old school water cooler in offices where people would go and, you know, gossip about the football game last night or the show they watched or office romances or whatever. So it's kind of the online version of that. And so Catherine and I decided this week to share a question with you. And we asked this, um, what are the song lyrics that you sang confidently but incorrectly until you <laughs> learned otherwise. And we got a lot of responses on both of our Facebook pages. Catherine, why don't you share yours? Because uh, okay. it's pretty entertaining before we dive into what other people have said. Well, Aubrey, as I said to you, I have to give a disclaimer. This is not... I did sing this confidently when I didn't know better. But now that I know better, I still sing this confidently. So <laughs> I like my version better. Okay. okay. What can I yep. say? So when I was very little, I don't actually remember this. It's a family story. But you know the song, Away in the Manger? The third and final verse ends with the words, Jesus, Lord, at thy birth. Mm. Which is pretty obscure language. I, I don't know that I could say exactly what that means. Yeah. So as, you know, a two or three year old, I thought it was Jesus Lord in diapers. <laughs> and that you know, I, I actually, that's a beautiful expression of the incarnation. Yeah. And I literally prefer that version. And to this day, I will stand in church on Christmas Eve and boldly sing out <laughs> Jesus Lord in diapers. Okay, I love that story so much. <laughs> that is so Catherine McNeil, by the way. Like everything it about that is very so on is. brand, Catherine. Yes. I love that. Okay, mine um a little more recent, and I was glad somebody else put this on social media because I was like, am I alone in this one? So Taylor Swift has a song called Blank Spaces or Blank hmm. Space, and it uh says, I've got a blank space, babe, and I'll write your name. But yes. there's a line where she says, I have a long list of ex-lovers they'll tell you I'm insane. And uh -huh. forever, I thought she was saying, I have a long list of Starbucks lovers. <gasps> I thought that too. See? Okay. And I thought, what are Starbucks lovers? And I just thought mm -hmm. maybe these were guys she was like having dates with at Starbucks. 
but apparently that's casual like casual people she was playing the field that was absolutely my assumption so the funny thing about that is somebody else posted that a guy named daniel smith who's a friend of mine on uh he responded with that starbucks lovers instead of list of ex lovers (laughs) and so many people were like wait what i thought you wait i thought so lots of people were had the starbucks lovers uh, mix up here. That's so I think awesome. that's so funny. Lots of education happening. That's what we do here yes. at the Common Good. We entertain yes. and educate you. That's what okay, we're doing so, here. Um, Catherine, you had a favorite that you wanted to share I with do. us. I do. Okay, so this one is from my uh, college best friend and roommate um, who learned in college that the song that was popular at the time, um, Just Call Me Angel of the Morning, mm-hmm. Just the, the real lyrics are, Just Touch My Cheek Before You Leave Me. Mm-hmm. She thought it was just, I can't even say it, just (laughs) brush my teeth before you leave me. (laughs) And so, you know, she vulnerably shared that with me. And then I proceeded to laugh about it for the full four years of college. But I wasn't laughing at her. It became our favorite joke. And so we would, we would bust out that song. Just brush my teeth before you leave me. Brush my teeth before you leave me. I think that was... (laughs) That's a very romantic image, you know? Okay, this is funny. A friend of mine who posted, this is from that worship song, I am forgiven because you were forsaken, is the line. She thought it was, I'm forgiven because you work for Satan. (laughs) Oh, that's... uh. So she said she, uh, that was sung several times as a child until she realized like what the, what the real lyric were (laughs) because you work for Satan. (laughs) That's pretty good. All right. What are some other ones that you have on your uh, social media? I had a couple friends who weighed in with uh, misheard worship lyrics. Um, One of them believes that that old Sunday school, um, old Sunday school song went, I'm so happy. And here's the reason why Jesus took the birdies all away. <laughs> what's Which, the real? What's the real song? Jesus, Jesus took my burdens, burdens all away. All away. <laughs> yeah. So I guess if you're afraid of birdies, it, you know that would be comforting. Yeah. Um, another friend was confused at the uh, worship song "We Exalt Thee." Oh, yes, Which be- yes. says very beautifully and slowly, we exalt thee. She thought they were singing, we lift slowly. <laughs> <laughs> and she just did not understand, like, why, why there was this pandemic, we... <laughs> glorious, we lift slowly. <laughs> That is very good. That's really good. Um, okay. I, I got some people posting about uh, more worship songs that kids sang wrong. Okay. So a friend of mine sung song. I use this as, as an example when I asked the question. Instead of your grace is enough, he sang your grace is a mouth. M-O-U-T-H. Your grace is a mouth. Another one, um, instead of tower of refuge and strength, she says she's heard children sing tower of refuse. And strength, oh, and then okay. instead of live on, oh King Eternal, live on, oh Kinky Turtle. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Pretty good. Pretty good. Um, very entertaining. Yes, I have a friend who thought that the the lyric "I want a new drug" by Huey Lewis in the news was "I uh-huh. want a new truck." Which, oh yeah, that's I good. mean to be honest, that that's a better song. So 
<laughs> okay, that with is that. A song. Okay, someone on my page put um, uh, "Sweet Dreams Tomato Peels." Who am I to disagree? <laughs> I traveled the world in the seven seas. She said she was seven, by the way, just for clarification when she said that. Sweet That's dreams, awesome. tomato peels. That's good. Yeah, that's a good one. I also yep. really love the parody of that song that's about cheese, but that's not misunderstood. That's intentional. Yeah, that's done. intentional parody, right? Yeah. I have a friend um, who says that her husband believed that the lyrics to the song Staying Alive were mm-hmm. the very important song, Stay in a Line. <laughs> oh, oh, oh. Oh, stay in the line. Stay in the line. <laughs> that's a good. I feel like teachers would like use that. I know. As, oh, I I one. may need to write the yeah. whole song for that. Yeah. This one, mm-hmm. I think somebody posted this on my page, but I think this one became popular also because of Friends, because of Phoebe singing "Hold Me Closer, Tony Danza" instead of Tony <laughs> Danza. <laughs> that's, that's always a good one. Oh, I really hope that somebody found that out while singing in karaoke. <laughs> right, right. That's, that's a really amazing. Good one. Okay, I'll yep. share one more, Catherine, and I'll share one more. Okay. Um, one of my friends posted uh, a double one. First okay. was for Mumford and Sons, the song Sigh No More. Uh-huh. Uh, the actual lyrics are, man is a giddy thing, but he cannot hear it any other way, but man is a guinea pig. <laughs> I mean, that's that works. That could work. Yeah, yeah. And this the same person believes that Phil Collins is not singing "Oh Lord" in uh-huh. in the air tonight, yes. but actually singing "Hold On." Oh, which hold- I can hear oh, that. I thought I can- he was saying. I think I thought it was "Hold On" this whole time. Oh, well, this it's- is a powerful moment. Okay, it's well, "Oh just Lord." Learned. Yeah. Oh, this has just become very meta. Wow. Okay. All right. That yeah. helps me. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, here's the last one I'll share. This person okay. said, you know, Rock the Casbah by The Clash, which is co- a complicated lyric. Yes. Uh, she thought it was Rock the Cat Box. <laughs> I like that, actually. <laughs> I know. I think Rock in the Cat Box would be really fun. Okay. So that one, that one brought some good laughter. If you have any wrong song lyrics that you have to share with us, please let us know on our social media at common good talk it is the end of the show the end of this show we love to bring you something encouraging inspiring challenging something to put a smile on your face we love going over to the week because they put together a briefing of just good news stories and we talk about hard things sometimes on this show so we want to share some good news with you but before we go into any of that Catherine, this is your last day you've been with us for a week Thank you so much for being here with us. We have had so much fun. Parting is just pure sorrow. It absolutely is. And I'll probably actually see you like tomorrow since we're neighbors. But you know, this is, it is sad to see you go on the common good. We'll definitely have to send Brian on vacation at some point again. And Brian, you you deserve, you deserve some time off, Brian. (laughs) You take care of yourself. Take as much time as you need. Yeah. Take as much time as you need. All right, Catherine. Well, we are going to share some good news. This is actually good news stories from last Mm -hmm. week, but you were telling me off air, you actually have some good news to update our listeners on before we dive into uh, the good news Uh, from the week. A personal update. Okay. A personal update. On Monday, we were sharing some of our favorite things and Mm -hmm. I was sharing my obsession with finding the perfect pair of Skechers slip-on tennis shoes. (laughs) Yes. And 
during the break just now, I got an email letting me know that my Skechers slip-on tennis shoes had just been delivered <gasps> to my front door. This mm. is so exciting. So you'll go home tonight I'm and you'll try those tonight. Skechers on. I'm going like to try them on. Could you share a picture online for those of us who I, are like waiting with bated breath? Aubrey, I will. I will okay. do that for our loyal listeners because this okay. is good news. This is a very good news. Thank mm-hmm. you for sharing that with us. Speaking of good news, Catherine, I'm going to share a good news story with you. Okay. Okay. Please do. We'll see. We'll see how it competes. We'll see how it competes with your, um, with your Skechers stories. Okay. Friends over 50 have rediscovered the joy of double Dutch. Ooh. A group of women meet once a week in Brooklyn Park, Minnesota for a little nostalgia and a whole lot of fun. The friends come together to spend a few hours playing double Dutch, a form of jump roping that they grew up playing. Cassandra Coates-Payne told KARE11 that as a young girl in Milwaukee, this was just the pastime. We did double Dutch morning, noon, and evening. Coates-Payne is joined at these weekly double Dutch sessions by her sister Jackie Coates, as well as Devonna Pittman and Babette Buckner. They are all professional women, but they don't want to talk about work or their careers while jumping around. Instead, they focus on strengthening their bond. You jump double dutch with someone, you instantly develop a different kind of relationship with them, Pittman said. We really didn't know each other until we started playing, started jumping double dutch. And now I feel like these ladies are my sisters. I love that. I do too. Aubrey, let's us start double dutch again. We could start double dutch in Chicago. I feel like this could be a whole thing. I think it should be. Although we can't do it by ourselves. You need two people oh, to twirl the ropes right. and then at least right. two people to jump. But All right. we need a couple other volunteers. important. I feel like our husbands could twirl the ropes or our 16-year-old sons and you and I can just do They would try that. to trip us. Yeah, Let's be honest. They definitely would. I don't trust them. You're right. You're All right, right. Back to the good news. Speaking of elementary school days... Uh, There is a janitor at an elementary school in Indiana who started singing the journey hit Don't Stop Believing" at the end of the school year talent show. And this has turned him into an Internet sensation. Wait, come on. And you know what? I have seen him perform this on the Internet. No. Are you serious? I have. Yes. And it is amazing. It is just a regular old janitor guy, good normal yep. good old guy who's yep. serving his family and his community. And he does one awesome Don't Stop Believin'. I think it was originally uh, posted on TikTok and it racked up 3 million views. Come on. Come on. One of the people who saw it was former Journey frontman Steve Perry, who commented, quote, I love this. No. Yes. So this this janitor, Richard Goodall, is 53. He's been singing for years, including in two gospel groups. And he says the attention has been humbling. Oh, that is so fantastic. Okay, I, I love that story. I'm going to have to look for that on uh, on TikTok. Mm-hmm. That is awesome. Do. All right. Uh, here's another story. Women's rowing team breaks world record during race from California to Hawaii. This was an adventure these rowers will never forget. The four members of the LAT 35 all-women rowing team Libby Costello, Sophia Dennison-Johnston, Brooke Downs, and Adrian Smith set off in June for the Great Pacific Race from San Francisco to Honolulu. They rode more than 2,400 nautical miles, and when they arrived in Hawaii on Tuesday morning, they had completed their journey in 30, 34 days, 14 hours, and 11 Whoa. minutes, a new world record. What? This was the first time the women rode in the deep ocean, and they took turns rowing in pairs during two-hour shifts. 
Their meals consisted of prepackaged food, and they dealt with rough seas, high winds, and seasickness. Supporters followed along online, and this gave the rowers the boost they needed to push through the hard parts. We're inspired. We inspired a bunch of different types of people, and that's really important, Costello told Good Morning America. That is insane and amazing. That is absolutely both insane and amazing. Wow. Wow. And inspiring. Very inspiring. Okay. The next one I'm going to share, I have to admit, I chose it purely because I want to read this headline, which I think is just an amazing headline. Are you Mm. ready? Oh, I'm ready. The number of tigers in the wild is higher than previously thought, conservative group says. Hmm. I don't know why I love that. I just think that is both wonderful and hilarious. The number (laughs) of tigers in the wild is higher than previously thought. Um, What makes this good news, of course, even though tigers are our predators yes are is scary. that they are an endangered species that mm. have faced habitual loss and poaching um but that uh, the U- international union for conservation of nature has been working to expand and connect protected areas ensuring that they're effectively managed and working with local communities living in and around tiger habitats which are critical to protect the species. And apparently it has been, there has been great improvements in the way tigers are monitored. The governments have also been stepping up their conservation efforts. And they say, this is a quote, when you succeed in saving tigers or conserving tigers, you are conserving very large wilderness landscapes with a huge host of biodiversity, but also a whole benefit to the human communities that live Mm. in and around those landscapes. So that hilarious headline is actually very good news that is awesome the number of tigers in the world is higher than previously thought okay all right here's the last story of the week this is a very special one a son grows out his hair to make a special wig for his mom I don't even know if I'm going to be able to read this one, Catherine. I know. Melanie Shaha's new wig wasn't bought in a store. It came from her son, Matt's heart. In 2003, doctors found that Melanie had a benign tumor of the pituitary gland about the size of a plum. It was removed but returned in 2006 and again in 2017. That year, Melanie started radiation treatments, and in the Gilbert, Arizona, and the Gilbert, Arizona resident began losing her hair. Hmm. Not having your hair, you stick out like a sore thumb. And well-meaning people say sore thumb, and well-meaning people say things that can break your heart. She told Today, "I don't mind being sick, but I mind looking sick. Hmm. I'd rather blend in and not stand out at the store." While eating lunch one day, Matt asked her, "Why don't I grow my hair to make a wig for you?" Fast forward two years, Matt's hair was twelve inches longer, enough for a wig. Matt cut his hair in March, and by June, Melanie had a custom hand-tied wig. The color is spectacular. We had it cut and styled with a hairdresser, Melanie said. Matt said, it looks great on me. That is a sweet story. That is. That is is. truly amazing. Some very, very good news for the week. I I love hearing those stories. Well, uh, once again, Catherine, thanks so much for being here with us this week. It's been fantastic. I've had so much fun being here. Thank you for having me on, Aubrey. All right. uh, So I will be back tomorrow with Brian Fromm. He'll be back tomorrow from 4 to 6 p.m. For Catherine McNeil, I'm Aubrey Sampson, and you've been listening to The Common Good on AM 1160, Hope for Your Life. 
Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.